This week's episode is brought to you by BitRise. BitRise is a continuous integration and delivery service for your mobile apps. They support building, testing, and deploying for iOS, Android, Xamarin, or any hybrid platform. They have more than 170 open source integrations, which can be used to customize your workflows for different scenarios, and even have a CLI to run those same exact workflows locally to reproduce and debug errors, or just experiment. So head to bitrise.io to learn more and sign up today. Hey, Frank, how's it going? Uh, what are you doing here? Yeah, I know. I just kind of crept into your apartment over here in Seattle. And I was said, in the shower. It was very awkward. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was like, hey, how's it going, buddy? Hot and fresh out the shower. Uh, well, you know, it's been a while since we recorded uh, in person since mm-hmm. Build. Yeah, well, we never did before, and then we started doing it. So this is like an all-new thing, but yeah, we stopped doing it too. It's very confusing. Yeah, and we did a whole hundred episodes. This is 101, and we were going to go right back into the build interviews, but then Dub Dub happened. And we can't miss Dub Dub. Can't miss Dub Dub. And I can't believe we just called it Dub Dub. What are you doing to me? WWDC. We'll say the whole proper thing. The Worldwide (laughs) Developers Conference. Developer Conference, Located directly, always in California. Yeah. yeah. Lovely San Jose. San Jose. Yeah. which Not think, at the mothership, unfortunately. Where was it this year? They rent out something, some convention center down in San Jose. Oh, I haven't actually been to a San Jose one. I think I'm going to go next year. Or I mean, go into the lottery next year. Yeah. Attempt to. Yeah. So they had about 6,000 people, it sounded like. Oh, okay. That's funny because Moscone was always 5,000 people. I thought they would have upped it being in San Jose, but ah, even, even Bill this year being, you know, back in Seattle is about five or 6,000 people. So actually about the same amount of people. It's still a ludicrous number of people. Like, how do you organize events like this? I mean, we do wish they could invite 20,000 people, but just the magnitude of these events is hilarious. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of people. And honestly, I thought the, I thought overall, you know, I, I tuned in live. I'm really impressed uh, with the amount of different browsers you can now watch the keynote on. <laughs> is that right? See, I, I watch from the Apple TV now. Yeah. Um, it's, I've got my ritual down. I'm very happy with it. And so I really don't know what was the old joke. It only worked on Safari or did it work on Safari Windows as long as you had Safari? No, but, o- only Safari Mac. And oh, really? It. And that was all you could watch it on. And <laughs> then they opened up to the streaming devices, Apple TVs. Then they actually opened it up to uh, IE and then Edge now. Edge, Edge. wow. Edge is in on the game. It is. That's where I watched it. <laughs> awesome. Now, they also have preliminary support for Chrome and Firefox. <laughs> so... How crazy is that? That that Apple streaming technology. <laughs> and uh, how long have we had YouTube since the nineties? <laughs> since the nineties, yeah. I don't know. So it was all there, and it was it was it was impressive. It was yeah. good. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Microsoft swooped in that morning and disrupted the development community. From what I hear, this is a bit of a tradition, and I hate to see all these big companies playing these little games with each other like this. But yeah, we should talk about the big Microsoft announcement. Yeah, it's kind of glorious. Well. There was a whole week of speculation. Was there? There, yeah. There was rumor, rumor mill going. I can't pay attention to the rumor mill. It's too much. Yeah. Well, there was some rumor mill, and and everyone goes, well, you know, that there's there's speculation that Microsoft is going to acquire the GitHub. The GitHub? 
The one I use every day? The one that <laughs> where Microsoft has almost all of its source code. Yes, that the GitHub. So I spend half my day in Visual Studio, a Microsoft product, and the other half my day on GitHub. Mm -hmm. So now you're saying I'm 100% Microsoft. You've just gone all in on Microsoft products. Yeah. I think yeah. I saw someone title it, $7.5 billion. Wow, developers cost a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe Miguel made a joke that said Satyo looked at the bill that we were playing GitHub, and he said, well, no, I was just acquire that. <laughs> so I believe it, too. I think I've heard from Microsoft friends who are like, yeah, our bills keep getting higher and higher with the, all the software they put up there. And yeah. the amount of team members and the yeah. amount of stuff that we do. And especially there's a lot of private repos and things that are trying to chain together. I joined the Azure group because in Microsoft we have all these tools built on top of github but i joined the azure group and for me to query the repos there's mm. like a thousand some odd repos is it right there's so many oh my uh gosh. inside yeah. this i don't know if i'm supposed to say that but i said it anyways <laughs> so i would i had to remove myself because i was doing demos and i would push code to github mm -hmm. and i would go over to the github desktop client and it would take so long to query us i had to remove myself from all these so yeah, it was big news. So we uh, acquired, I work yeah. for Microsoft. I, I did not have any knowledge. You acquired. <laughs> I personally acquired GitHub for $7.5 billion in stock. Yeah, you, you got so frustrated at the command line. You're like, I'm just going to buy this company until they get this uh, long repo list in the desktop app working right. You know, exactly. that, that's what it takes. That's all I wanted. <laughs> wanted better integration into Visual yeah. Studio, better uh, support. So, I wanted uh, the VF... The, yeah. the virtual file system on a Mac, make yeah, that happen, sure, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wasn't sure how to feel about this myself. As a non-Microsofty, I'm allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually didn't really have an opinion. Obviously, I've never had a problem with Microsoft. I'm not one of those. Microsoft's going to try to t take over the world, and I'm afraid of them kind of person. So... Um, but the articles that kind of put this in perspective for me were the ones describing that GitHub wasn't exactly making a lot of money. So this was kind of a big service Microsoft just did to the whole open source community of making sure that GitHub's going to basically run forever because I can't see any incentive for Microsoft to change it. Just let that puppy run and keep it going the way it's going. Let it go. Uh, you know, what's great about this acquisition for me, like I, I know no inside baseball, mm -hmm. no inside soccer at all uh, about it. Uh, what was exciting for me was that Nat, Nat Friedman, mm -hmm. who was the CEO of Xamarin, who yeah. we've worked side by side with many yeah. a moons, uh, you know, he went and, and did some other stuff at Microsoft, such as App Center and a few mm -hmm. other things. And he's going to be this running the CEO. The of CEO. GitHub, wow. Taking it over. Our friend Nat. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> he wrote a really nice, nice blog post yeah. about it. And that, I believe what's interesting is a lot of a lot of people that just don't like Microsoft maybe have gone and moved their code to GitLab. And I don't know about things. a lot, but yeah, a few. There's, there's always a vocal, annoying people on the planet. A few people. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the Linux Foundation's blog post recently. That was a good one, yeah. It was very good because they, they pointed out, you know, Microsoft, just because they acquired GitHub, they didn't acquire your code. <laughs> let's, you know, be let's be really clear yeah. about that. Uh, and in fact, all of a lot of Microsoft source codes on there, so it's not like GitHub owned Microsoft source <laughs> yeah. control a code, or they don't own ours. Like yeah. they don't own my See, I, source code. I wasn't worried about that. There's laws, people. You can't just buy someone's code. Like <laughs> yeah. there's copyright law. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. 
Um, I was worried about dumber things. Mm. Like, I hate Microsoft login. And uh. I was like, oh my God, if they switch GitHub to Microsoft login, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. <laughs> but um, uh, Nat did a Reddit AMA also, mm. and he covered a lot of topics. And one of them specifically was, yeah, we're not looking to do that. If anything, maybe log into Microsoft with your GitHub. And I'm like, yeah, now you're talking. Yeah. yeah so. I, I, you can go both ways. Ideally, I would be able to oh yeah mix together. and match but don't require it please no, no. <laughs> i love my github id it's clean it's simple <laughs> and and github will run as an independent company yeah i mean to me this is this is i'm obviously biased i work at microsoft <laughs> but to me i think it's completely fine and in fact i would rather i think microsoft buy it than maybe an amazon or a google or someone else i'm not really sure i think google would probably do an okay job. I think we're all worried more about Oracle <laughs> or oh. maybe IBM yeah. as someone who really likes to monetize things and put trademark logos everywhere. One of those kinds of companies. Yeah. For me, what I do like is as a Microsoft developer is that we really have always focused on developer tools. Yeah. And if you look at some of the products such as VSTS or Visual mm -hmm. Studio or Azure itself, there's a lot of productivity gains. Yeah. So what I'm hoping is that maybe the parts of GitHub that I don't like, such mm -hmm. as issue tracking could be so much better. Mm -hmm. The project team could be so much better. Mm -hmm. And VSTS, if you followed it, <laughs> a lot of those could have been a lot better and they've gotten a lot better, mm -hmm. but also they're really complex. So like yeah. maybe somewhere like they can, they could work Share together. ideas, yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely prefer GitHub's UI, but as you say, VSTS has just ridiculous power. Like yeah. the things you can do with it is just yeah. ridiculous. But I like my little GitHub simple UI. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I thought it was pretty funny that we just had GitHub and App Center team on talking about the love. And I don't believe Coincidence, they... no conspiracy theories, people. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, but I will say, like, uh, there's a really nice things. I'll put links to, to Nat's blog posts and, mm -hmm. and the announcements. But overall, I'm pretty happy. I didn't see yeah. anything negative. I, ideally, I can stop paying GitHub money. I don't know. At some I don't point, even care at this point. It's $7 a month. And the, the amount I use it, I, yeah. I shouldn't say. It. Never mind. I would pay more, but I'm not going to say that. I didn't say that. You didn't hear it. <laughs> I believe you had to roll yourself back last time we did GitHub on the on the podcast. Well, you know, I didn't do GitHub for the longest time because the private repos were expensive they back were. in the day. Yeah. But uh, once they opened up the pricing, then... Yeah. yeah. And the nice thing here is the Linux Foundation had, and, and even now, I think they really paid tribute to Git itself, which yeah. is... Look at how great Git is and how flexible right. it is. You can build on top of it. So what a great day for developers at git itself is really leading the charge of open source and mm -hmm. the community around it so we'll see yeah yeah i'm excited so because of this you didn't even bother to watch the wwdc keynote i said well like, that's that's, that's all that's all the news i needed for the day i'm good uh <laughs> no I, I uh let's get into it then i mean they opened up with this uh well they had a big streaming you know thing of of apps for a while and they opened up mm -hmm. with this video did you watch for any of your apps? You're required by law to watch for your apps. I didn't see any of my apps. So I did see some Xamarin apps. Seeing AI mm -hmm. was on there. I saw some apps I use. I didn't get to see any of mine. I, no. I saw Seeing AI also. Yeah. yeah. There's a few other ones that were Xamarin-based, which I can't talk about just because there's companies. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Fancy. Yeah, some big I companies. I saw Working Copy on there. It's a Git client for which is nice. iOS. Yeah, nice, no, real no, nice app. No continuous. No continuous. No live player. Keep trying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of these days, Apple will love me. <laughs> yeah. So they open up with this video, this the the, the nature of developers. Or we something. always open a video. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. And so my immediate first question to you was, good or bad? 
I hated it. <laughs> I thought I wanted to tweet really heavily. Are they just insulting all developers <sighs> yeah. right now? Okay. And they were playing a fine line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also thought it was very like stereotype of. I mean, it's what it was. It was literally okay. pointing out the stereotypes of developers. Yeah. And as a developer, I don't really like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and what it shows is like if all these stereotypes types even to Apple are true then what is Apple doing to change that? <laughs> and one thing that they really didn't point out, and, I'm, and you can correct me or maybe our listeners can correct, correct me, is they usually always point out, we have the largest number of students, we have the largest number of mm. XYZ. I didn't remember Tim saying that, but I could be wrong. He, he gave a shout out to the student developers, but okay. I can't remember exactly yeah. what he said. So I, I took the video slightly different. I was mm. um, enchanted by the premise. Mm-hmm. I always love um, uh, reverse... Um, <laughs> what do you even call it? Um, Reverse osmosis. No, it's water. <laughs> uh. Oh, just blanking on the name. Anyway, looking, taking an outside perspective on the developers, I always like the Martian comes and tries to analyze what are the humans doing. Always yeah. take an outside perspective. So I just love the premise. And so I kind of ignored that they were making fun of me and describing a monoculture and showing a bunch of dudes doing their thing because I was just enjoying the voice and the premise. I'm an easy sell. It did have a a weird, interesting look at the conferences, though, because a lot of the what they said, like people rushing into the keynote or grabbing food or swag bags or whatever is very pretty, pretty true. Uh, But yeah, I think (laughs) I was a little bit mixed on it just because (laughs) I really want to... I'm very much of an advocate to change that culture. And I think pointing out it is good in a way, but then they're also trying to make it cozy and comfy and okay. Yeah. So I usually draw the line inclusive or exclusive. Mm-hmm. Were they perp- were they not just purposefully, but were they excluding anyone in it? Maybe not so much, but it wasn't the most inclusive video either. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what was really the standout of this keynote for me was uh, our good friend Craig, friend of the show, Craig Federighi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Craig got the most, uh, he always seems to get the most stage time, and he was brought out many a moons, uh, which was great, and he was definitely showing off a lot of chest hair, which is classic Craig. Was he? Yeah. yeah he, he, oh, you look there. I look up. You uh, look down. Okay. I look so. down. I like to see what Craig's rocking. Uh, and He's a two-one-button person, I think is what you're saying. Not one unbuttoned, two Definitely unbuttoned. two, possibly sometimes three. Whoa. Sometimes Wow, Craig that's goes 70s little, talk there. He goes a little, <laughs> he goes a little rogue. Uh, <laughs> he may have started with two, maybe went down to three during Mahat. Wow, I'm getting because excited. <laughs> the, like the shifting of the desktop, the shifting of Craig Federer. Into Federi's. night mode. It's yeah. Getting hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, will, I need to go back and watch it to see if that's a true thing. Okay, so we just went over a lot of technology that's actually very promising. Let's start with Mac OS, dark mode. Is this good? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure my Windows machine has done this for many years. I can change the theme and yeah. the accent colors. Sure. Yeah. Well, what, what I did like about, so if we go into Mojave, they did pay a lot of homage to the Mac, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. An investment to the Mac. So Mojave will be the new operating system. They're yep. done with mountains. I guess, at least for a little while. It was yeah. like four years of mountains, he said. So I think that was plenty. So yes. now we're off into the desert. Yeah. They, they are adding a, a dark mode, not a theme, yeah. a mode. Mode. I'll, I'll go with mode. I don't know. So, like, the history with Mac is a little weird here because it used to be super customizable back mm-hmm. in the day. Then um, OS X came out and they removed all that customizability. Yeah. 
they've always left in some fake settings. <laughs> you could turn on like granite mode or something like that, which mm. turned the buttons kind of grayscale because an early critique of OS X was it was too colorful and too cheery. So we need a way to gray that stuff down. But they've never been big proponents of theming the OS. This is what Mac looks like. Get used to it. <laughs> and it gives you a very consistent story when anyone looks at a Mac. Right. It looks exactly the same. And when... it's brand recognition to be quite simple and obvious. <laughs> That's what they want. And from a developer's point of view, the less I have to do to customize my UI... Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. It means yeah. I have to do more work to support multiple custom themes of my app. Yeah. But... Ideally, if I'm just building an app, the default stuff out of the box. And that's works. all, you know, uh, me personally as a developer, that's all I've ever wanted out of a UI toolkit. I want it to be platform specific. I hate it when they say, here's a rectangle, you can make it any color you want. I want to be like, no, what color should I make the rectangle? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Apple's actually had this. Um, if you do Mac or iOS programming, you know, UI color and is color, they have text color properties, dark text color properties, window background color properties. It's just they never changed in 10 years. <laughs> so this is the first time we're getting a dark mode where those values will actually make sense. So we can no longer cheat and just say UI color black. Now we have to say UI color text color <laughs> to make yeah. sure we do the right thing. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting is what was nice about the dark mode as a native app developer. I think this is what's mm -hmm. intriguing. Yeah. Because Apple's really always been about the native applications. Oh, yeah. They really haven't paid a lot. They of... don't care at all. <laughs> yeah. They don't care about anything not native. So what they highlighted here during some of the developer platform talk was how easy it was for them to bring over their native apps to dark mode. Mm. Most of the things worked out of the box, else yeah. they could reach into these APIs which apparently, like you said, have been there for a while, just not used, which is strange. I mean, you could use them, but there was no point because the theme hasn't changed. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't even know how long. When OS X come out? 2001? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it hasn't changed in 17 years, so yeah. why use them? <laughs> why use them? So now you have a reason. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I'm, it's going to be a little annoying to go back through all my apps, but fortunately, I'm pretty used to this from iOS, and lately, all of my apps have featured dark themes. It's yeah. just something I've done because... You know, sometimes you're laying in bed and you don't want a bright white screen in your face. And yeah. so just personally, I've been making all my apps dark themed already. So I'm getting quite used to this little game we have to play. Yeah, I thought it was nice overall. I, I'm i not a dark theme mode person. Me neither. I switch into it from time to time, though. So I appreciate that. But also the people who do like it are quite opinionated and quite vocal. So I do love it. And honestly, when, when Visual Studio for Mac made the jump, or maybe it was Xamarin Studio at the time, between light theme and dark theme, there's a lot of work, custom icons, mm -hmm. accessibility mm -hmm. that went into it, and that's all custom work. And what's nicer is, is it does make it really nice, just like Visual Studio has dark theme, light theme, in-between theme yeah. of it. If your editor, if you really like your editor to be dark, it's very jarring for the oh, rest yes. of it to be not dark. I can't stand that. I won't even yeah. use an app in that condition. <laughs> yeah. So Xcode, just like Visual Studio for Mac with dark mode, mm -hmm. dark editor, looks really nice. Yeah. Yeah. This is one place where uh, Xamarin for Mac is ahead of the Apple curve. I was like thinking, oh, these poor people, they're going to have to do all this work this summer. But like, no, they already have a dark theme. They're yeah. kind of all set. They just have to make sure it looks about the same as everyone else's dark theme. But yeah. yeah and if anything, maybe there will be some extension points for developers. So if you're having text editors and cursors that are going to be dark themed, you can oh, sure. set cursor colors correct or yeah. something. But yeah, I think overall, I'm actually changing to graphite. Oh, I, I like blue theme better, I think. That's what it's called, blue. Blue and graphite. 
Is that the Windows ones, or do you mean the? Oh, right. Blue is the default. Blue though, is the default. Yeah, and graphite's the other. Graphite's no good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think we should really instead of dark mode, that while that may be to some people the biggest announcement, I want to jump over everything and go directly to uh, the big one. The big one, Marzipan. Yeah, Marzipan or whatever Gruber called it, the unknown thing that he leaked. Let's stop it with the code words. This is iOS running on the Mac, which is not at all iOS running on the Mac, but it is UI kit ported over to the Mac so that we can take the apps that we wrote for iOS and recompile them for Mac. And it's going to usher in an all new era in Apple computing. It's going to help the iPad. It's going to help the Mac. This is a big deal and I'm super excited for it. It was something that a lot of developers have been asking for for a long time. Yeah. Craig came out and he said, are we merging iOS and macOS? Answer, no. And I got kind of sad there. I, I fell for the marketing spin. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you got to merge them. I need this. I hate writing two apps. <laughs> well, he, I really, I really liked his, in a keynote, they actually brought out some architecture slides. Did they? What? they? They did. They brought like, okay, this is how iOS works. Here's all the core foundation and work. Here's macOS. Here's okay. this thing. And he goes, there's two real big different pieces, which is UIKit and AppKit. And yeah. he talked specifically about when you're building applications, you want all these toolkits, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. He goes, but sometimes there's some similar screens, similar applications. I, I actually knew that they were running up to this. Like, I knew that this was going to happen. Okay. Only because when they first showed iOS 12, they showed like four specific apps. They showed the same exact applications. So you're on... smarter than me. I, I, I've heard from other people talking about this that they caught on to that too. No, me, the moment he said no, I'm just like, well, that's it, Apple. I, I'm out of here because I need this. And you're like, I get this. This is marketing spin. It was marketing spin. <laughs> but specifically what they're trying to say is that you're not just running an iOS app on yeah. macOS. You're still building a macOS app. But now you have a new API that's called the UI Kit, mm -hmm. which is the same. So you can share more code. Yeah. I'm more interested. Now, this is something I not available. I hope it's available. not to share more. I'm hoping for like 99% here, but yeah. I believe based on... That, that's the interesting part is based on what your iOS application is doing, sure. if you're doing extensions, if you're doing other things, you're going to have to rethink about your menus and mm -hmm. context exactly. menus. Yeah. Uh, so I, th I still think there's a fair amount of work to do there. Mm -hmm. However, 80 90%. I, yeah, like I said, I'm hoping for even higher than that. It, as far as I can tell, it should just be the menu. Everything else is basically just an iPad app. Yeah, so you can bring continuous over easy. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to bring everything over easily. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big deal. Um, uh, we're not still sure exactly what the umbrella of UI kit covers <laughs> because there's a lot of little frameworks in iOS. Mm -hmm. um, will the feedback system come? You know, the, the um, thing that vibrates when you're touching your phone, will that come? Will 3D touch come? You know, there's all these things. And the Mac obviously lacks a touch screen, so those don't come over, but it has touch pads. So honestly, there's a million more questions to be answered here. And Apple explicitly, and I like this, they kind of, Set the uh, set the precedent and said it's not coming out till next year. Don't even don't don't get too upset about it. Just chill for now. But it gives us time to think about it, to architect our apps, to make sure we all have iPad versions of our apps that'll yeah. ship over to the Mac easily. Mm -hmm. I I love this. Yeah. I, I hate waiting a year, but at the same time, I think it's an excellent execution plan. Give us all time to figure it out. And I can see this cascading into better windowing support inside of macOS. So snapping to a side like Windows mm. does, yeah. because that really pays nice homage to it. You know, and this isn't a new concept. Uh, 
Microsoft try this, but oh, kind yeah. of the <laughs> reverse. They try to do the desktop on a phone. Well, they and, just merged them together, basically. Yeah, they yeah. slapped them together and said <laughs> yeah. it's the same. Yeah. Uh, Google tried this uh, with Android applications, shoving them on a tablet, but then also shoving them on Chrome OS. Yeah, that didn't get very popular because that didn't even enter my consciousness. Where is that being used? Is that popular? Chrome OS, you can run Android apps. Do people run? Yeah, you can do it. Okay. Yeah. In fact, a lot of times what you'll see is people will run the Slack Android app, but oh, also fine. have Slack, what? like the browser, and the, they could have three versions of Slack. Browser, because, because you could. Okay. So, it, <laughs> And that's the, that's the funny part is that there's a lot of overlap between people building like Chrome apps and Android apps. Yeah. And the Android apps will be a lot better because you yeah. have more APIs. But it, the idea is that it's a one-to-one, so you're just yeah. running an app and... Android apps are built in a windowed mode already. Mm. In fact, you can loop in directly. And the idea is that in they started with a tablet, and they said, tablet, now you can run Windows independently. So imagine that you're on your iPad Pro here. You could just take an app and just move it around. And yeah. Android activities automatically resize, and they're yeah. very welcoming to that. That is nice, yeah. It's complexity. So if you want to make a really great... Android app that runs great on everything, it's there. Mm-hmm. Specifically, you're building a Mac application and still an iOS application. Yeah. Well, I think this is, um, it's, it's going to help the iPad too. I think mm-hmm. the iPad still doesn't get a lot of love from all app developers. Mm-hmm. They tend to focus on the phone for good reason. The phone uh, usually outperforms the iPad for sales for apps, yeah. especially small ones. But People are going to want their apps on the Mac. They're going to go through the effort to make it full screen, a big app. They'll get it onto the store, and then they might as well ship it as a universal app on iOS. So this is a smart decision that's going to help two platforms simultaneously, iPad and desktop. Yeah, I think so. So smart. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm excited to see where it goes from a Xamarin point of view, just because that's where I work. I think that it'll be nice. I think if the work just happens, since we're a native platform... You just get the APIs. Oh, I'm gonna start writing my right. my Visual Studio extensions in iOS and UIKit now. <laughs> you should be able to. I, I, that's yeah. that's a great idea. And in fact, if anything, this would help the Xamarin Forms Mac desktop story because they might as well ditch it. Yeah, you might <laughs> to as well. be thoroughly honest, I mean, it's got its place if you want to integrate it into an existing Mac app. Yeah, but I think that the good easy path forward will be. Start with iOS and yeah. yeah, move over. Yeah, they can do all the UI and and they they also are optimizing. That's the thing is they just aren't running the apps, and this is the the clear point to really take away because there's a lot of stories and there's short things being said on it. But what's really unique here is that they took UIKit and they re-implemented it, which means that they made it more desktop friendly, mouse friendly, mm. keyboard friendly, mm. integrated with the entire app kit ecosystem. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens overall. I will say I've been watching some YouTube videos from The Verge and Engadget who've played with them. Yeah. And they go, it's just like a big iPad app on the yeah. on the desktop. They're like, it's an iPad app. That's really what it well, reminds them of. I think for if better or worse. If you're an iOS developer, you're kind of used to this. I'm always mm-hmm. running my apps in the simulator. Yeah. So I am used to running all my apps on my desktop. Yeah. And I'll be honest, sometimes I tune them for that to make them actually a little more mouse-friendly because I'm spending a lot of time in that UI. Yeah. So I think for developers, this is actually going to feel quite natural, uh, just getting your app over there. How nice will it be to build some user interface that you can just run in a non-simulator just on your desktop? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean... That's how you're going to write your iPad and iPhone apps from now on, basically. 
Yeah. This is a big deal, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I'll be interested to see where the tooling goes. And I oh yeah, so many questions. <laughs> have to wait a year till next step. And I'm sure there's going to be a million gotchas. In an, in a year, we're going to be complaining. Oh, I can't believe they did this. Mark <laughs> yeah. my words. But for now, I'm happy. For now, I'm just like, thank you, Apple, for giving me this. So, what do you want to talk about next? You want to go into the into the phone, into the watches, into the X codes. Well, we just did a big, awesome, important feature, so let's do some triviality. Okay. What, what, what trivial stuff? I, I, when I think of triviality, I think of the watch. What do you think of? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think of the watch usually, the watchOS 5. Sadly, sadly. <laughs> What's interesting about watchOS is that it's the one OS that, macOS is different, but it, of the mobile-ish, it's not on the same version as the other ones because TV. Oh sure. TVOS twelve, iOS twelve, you know, watchOS Watch five. We're up to five, five. now. Yes. They uh, came out with some new features like walkie-talkie, whatever. That's cool. <laughs> they essentially Sherlocked Overcast a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, in a good way and a bad way. So they added more audio controls to watch apps yep. and at the same time released a podcast app for the watch. And in case you're not in the podcast app selling game, Apple basically dominates it. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think, is going to overcast right now. And yeah. then we're we're all fighting for the scraps. Yep. 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 <laughs> and so um, uh, the Apple podcast coming to the watch is actually a big deal because that's how so many people listen. And it'll auto sync and it'll do yeah. everything. So it's going to take Marco's got some work this summer. You, you <laughs> tweeted and you said, uh, Frank said, it looks like we all have the summer off. We all have right. the summer off except for except Marco. Except Marco, except for someone who wrote a podcast app. Ding that Marco bell. And technically, I have a podcast app too, but I'm not making it work on the watch because honestly, the music controls on the watch I find are fine. Yeah. I haven't felt a need for a podcast app on the watch itself but i i do hear there are these runner people out there who like their stuff to be local on the watch so i've heard of people that run i'm not weirdos. one of those people but they are i guess out there. if something's chasing you you should run <laughs> gotta get out of there <laughs> uh what what you know it's interesting about this more than anything is their focus that the watch is a fitness application yeah. fitnessing more than they're anything. definitely going that's what three quarters of the talk was was mm-hmm. fitness yeah it was fitness 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 it was to me there's a new gym kit so they can integrate deeper into gym pieces of uh, yeah. things yay so maybe for workout plus plus energy or thing yeah <laughs> so to me this more than anything is that they really want to kill fitbit like more than well, really, they're trying hard yeah. but it doesn't seem like they've gotten there yet still they still can't if if apple watch is only for ios devices exactly and that's yeah. the big thing is i i'm not going to have one because i'm an android user so mm-hmm. i'm not going to get any benefits from it yeah uh tvos i put stuff it got yeah stuff. they did uh can you name a stuff i can't they are bringing duck mode no that was previous they are bringing uh dolby atmos or i don't know what that is more better sound i live in an apartment i'm not allowed to make things too loud uh <laughs> They, there's a... Did they fix the remote? No, they didn't fix the remote. But I think they're allowing third parties to finally make remotes. So that's kind of nice, I guess. More TV stuff. I I mean, TV's good, but it plays videos. Oh, you know what they announced? (laughs) Is they announced... uh, Previously, they announced single (laughs) sign-on. Zero sign-on. They have announced zero (laughs) sign-on. I don't for, know. for one company coming later this year. Oh, perfect. Not covering Comcast and Verizon in the U.S. Because guess what? Comcast and Verizon are terrible. They are all so, terrible. <laughs> keep holding your breath. Yeah. It'll come. The biggest thing, I guess, would be around uh, iOS uh, and the jump to iOS 12. 
This week's episode of Merge Conflict is brought to you by Syncfusion. You know Syncfusion. You love Syncfusion. I love Syncfusion because they deliver to you the most comprehensive UI toolkits for all of your favorite platforms. Whether you're developing web applications with JavaScript or ASP.NET Core, React or Angular, or mobile applications with Xamarin or UWP, or heck, even desktop applications with WinForms or WPF, they have everything that you simply need. I love them because when I go in to build an application, they have it all. They have data grids, charts, graphs, date pickers, combo box, buttons, all the things that I don't want to build over and over again. Better yet, they have crazy complex, amazing controls such as Kanban boards, these full spark lines, range navigators, maps, all the gauges that you could simply imagine. Now what I do love though is when you get a little bit deeper into the woods and you need to deal with file formats. They fully support Excel, PDF, Word, and PowerPoint. It's a simple drag and drop control into any of your applications. So where do you go to learn more? It's easy. Go to syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict to learn about all of their amazing charts, controls, and UI toolkits for all of the great platforms. Simply go to syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this episode of Merge Conflict. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was clear. We all knew it was coming. Not a big deal. Uh, what was interesting from a developer point of view was the adoption rate of iOS 11. This was a little bit sad for me. I think in my head, I assume that Apple gets 99% adoption on all its major revs, but I think we learned that it's at a mere 81% of what all users have upgraded to iOS 11. Of all users that could upgrade. That can, which is an even smaller stat, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. All those iPad 2 owners stuck on iOS 9.3.5. That is correct. They do not get it. Uh, And that's a contention. I mean, I don't know how many of those iPad 2s are out there. Mm -hmm. This is when I build applications, I just usually target 10 and above. I do too. 99%, 95%. It's only for my older apps that I try to keep it as low as I can. Yeah. Whatever I can do. And and for me, it's hard as an app developer because I don't even have one of those devices. Yeah, I know. Or how are you gonna I'm surprised get? mine work, to be honest. Every time I'm like, oh, good, still running, puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, there are simulators, um, which is better than nothing. Yeah. If you want to go that route. I was they surprised. Did? Okay. Um, they also, of course, burned Android again, because why wouldn't they? <laughs> what was that, 9% or something? 6%. 6%. That's good. Actually, his burn was something like, I don't think they even have an update. It's like or update process. <laughs> well, they. that's the problem, is I've always disliked burns on android as an android user yeah however i feel like we get it we get it you know and and additionally what's really intriguing is if you watch google io is that google's trying really really hard to do this they have android go they have a whole platform they've worked an engineering on the cycle of it and the problem more than anything is that when when the largest smartphone manufacturer is samsung for android devices and you there are billions of them out there. What what financial incentive do they have to upgrade right. to the latest versions when they're spending tons right. upon tons of money on the next version? They're working the margins. They've got a very fixed margin. Yep. Makes sense to me. And from a business point of view, your ROI, your return on investment mm-hmm. is going to be small because you're going to have to do more QA, do all these things. Yep. And in fact, even on my Android TV, which runs Android... Uh, NuGet, I think, currently, and hmm. NVIDIA is attempting to upgrade to Oreo, and they rolled it out, and they go, 
We gotta Ooh. roll back. We're having some issues, you know, and <sighs> who yeah. knows what all the, the possibilities, even, and there's only two models. So in that instance, additionally, there's nothing wrong with my TV. Like, I'm cool. I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm all right. No, and I think actually, um, we're all developers. We want to be on the newest and latest stuff. But the truth is, someone who buys a phone just wants that phone to work forever. Yeah. And if you are going to upgrade the OS, you better give them something awesome and it better not slow down. And that just really hasn't been the truth in the past. Um, we've Silicon Valley follows the upgrade if you can, upgrade if you can, to the point where they annoy you to death if you don't yeah. upgrade. And so we force people into these cycles. So I, I, I agree with you somewhat. At the same time, I think it's a little sad that <laughs> there's just no incentive. You, you gave some very good engineering and business reasons. It's just sad. Yeah. And I think <laughs> from the iOS point of view, you and I were discussing this before the podcast, was why is this so low? Even though it is an impressive yeah. number. Mm -hmm. But honestly, as a, a household that shares split iOS and Android devices, and I, I live and my partner is an iOS user, she's honestly often scared to upgrade iOS. And the, for the hardware reason or for? Both hardware and software. She's always sort of scared that this is gonna brick my phone. Yeah. And the only real incentive is two pur purposes. One is that new emoji support usually. That was a big incentive. I think that's like their big only incentive. Like that's their major upgrade path. Is you need is messages. You need the emojis and it's very annoying. Yeah. And also uh, iMessage bugs. Uh, uh, yeah. Heather has been experiencing it's, it's bananas to me. Crazy. So many iOS bugs of messages coming in the wrong order yeah. and not coming through. It's, oh, that's just classic. You haven't gotten used to that? I'm it's, not an iCloud. I'm not an iMessage user. I think of it more like Facebook now. I mean, you'll get the huh? message when it's appropriate for you to get the message. Oh, I, see, I don't use it. It's, it's, very, it's very strange. <laughs> no, it, it's really not that bad, but it does. Um, especially when you jump between computers, I found the mm. sync between Mac and my phones isn't always perfect. That's where it tends to mess up. Like the phone will have a good copy, yeah. but the Mac will get a, weird, a little weird. And this is a problem because iMessage is built into the operating system. Yeah. And Google has gone so much of removing yeah. apps and putting them in the app store. So they can be constantly updating, even if you don't update your operating system, which mm -hmm. I think is... A better path, right? It they, is, yeah. If you think about it, okay, well, not everyone has the latest operating system, but they at least have the latest software. I mean, my phone dialer updated yeah. with a bug fix. I mean, honestly, I have to think in the future we'll get a little bit more to that point. Yeah. Apple's already decoupled some other apps from it. Mm -hmm. I think they just recognize some apps as being yeah. core apps and they get shipped along. It's the same story with .NET on Windows, by the way. Why does Win.net keep getting strapped to Windows? <laughs> Still .NET Core 3, which we haven't talked about yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, which should change the game. Yeah, I mean, so I still think it's impressive. But to be honest, what the real motivation is, you said, users really haven't had a very strong reason to upgrade. Yeah. However, iOS 12 seems as if maybe they will. It does have a few big features that I like. And I, I want to go back to our previous conversation real quick and say that they made a point of saying iOS 12 runs on every device that could run iOS 11. Yes. So at least for this cycle, they really do want everyone to upgrade and they're promising us it's going to be efficient, right? Yes. Super that was, efficient. That was the biggest thing is they <laughs> are almost promising 40% faster. <laughs> Guaranteed or your money back. Guaranteed or your update back. 40% faster apps and launch time. Yeah. And 40% faster to, for, 20 to 40% faster on bringing up the camera and the keyboard. Yeah. They had a, That's th awesome. They had a side-by-side -side video of 
if I tap on an input field of how long the keyboard would take mm -hmm. to come up versus the other, the yeah. new one, and it was much faster. This is sad because the keyboard used to be instant, purely instant. Mm -hmm. But then we went into this weird IPC world where different processes are putting different UI and different apps and it's gotten mm -hmm. all confusing and then the keyboard got a little laggy on the slower hardware. Yeah. But if you think about it, we're software developers. There's absolutely nothing preventing us from making things fast on older hardware other than time and money. Mm -hmm. That is always the limiting factor here. And so it's nice to see Apple. I think the rumor I heard was that they're basically switching to a two-year uh, proper feature cycle mm. within the OS. They were on a one-year cycle. As everyone knows, you die on a one-year cycle because by the moment you've finished working on something, you have to get onto the next feature or else they won't be able to ship on time. Yeah. Uh, Windows 10 has been Windows 10 for, what, the last 10 years? Because they're, they're so off the yearly cycle yeah, at this point. <laughs> yeah, and they're on. And that's the thing is when you develop, you need you need time to plan out the next bigger features. And if you're always And some crunching. features are so big, they take longer than a mm -hmm. year. You, not every feature fits within a year yeah. time block. I imagine the file system they spent many <laughs> a moons on. Oh, yeah. Which I believe that they also... Ding. It's not our show, but we still have to ding when you say file system. File system. system. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Features that we like. I'm, I'm going to start with my favorite. Memoji. I like it. I never wanted to be a rooster, never wanted to be a monkey, but I'm happy to be myself. So I'll take some Memoji. Yeah, uh, my favorite feature is uh, all the features that they brought over from Android. So <laughs> they, every every single thing, I watched a, a Verge video of how similar this Apple Keynote was to Google's current and previous Keynotes. I was going to say previous or current, yeah, and both. Well, <laughs> there was a larger focus on AI in, inside of your devices. They yeah. have shortcuts uh, in apps, which are slices. They have group notifications. I'm just going to roll through them real shortcuts quick. Shortcuts are not slices, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, shortcuts are slices. We'll get into it. Go okay. ahead. Keep so, your... <laughs> group notifications. Welcome to 2010. Uh, We're trying, man. We're trying. Yeah, they're there. Can you force touch yours? Uh, sure. We can, we can do whatever we want. We're Android. <laughs> screen time. Uh, they spent a lot of time on screen time, which is limiting the amount of time your applications. And tracking you, yeah. And tracking your usage mm -hmm. and kid tracking. Uh, Google also That's announced good. this a month yeah. ago. So. Oh, but uh, iOS has been, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but iOS has been so far behind yes. in kid features, so it's yes. good. Yeah. Uh, Memoji, yes. They copied <laughs> Samsung, not necessarily Google. Oh, did a better job. Come on, don't even uh, dare say copied Samsung. <laughs> they did a great job. And emojis and Memo, they're all stupid. I don't, I don't have an iPhone X, so I don't know. Maybe they're amazing. Uh-huh. Did Picasso copy his four-year-old niece? <laughs> they, they spent... Honestly, I think too much time on Animojis and Memojis. Those are the selling features. So the keynote is all about marketing. We've, we've been over this over and over. <laughs> Which upsets me because as a developer, I want the keynote yes. of a developer conference to be developer -y. But it's not. I know. Such a nerd. <laughs> uh, group FaceTime. This is the most impressive demo. 32 people. Everyone's cracking up about the 32 number. But, you know, you know, if it works with one, if it works with two, and you're like, what's next? 32. 32. But why not? Why not? You know, it's uh, increments of... Multiple, All you'll ever need in the future is 32 people in a conversation. <laughs> uh, to me, this is about about time, really game changer. I, I will I will say this about FaceTime. It is the best way to yeah. communicate with people. I use it every day. I, I often, when Heather and I talk, I'll pull up my Mac and use FaceTime on the Mac for her iPhone. Mm -hmm. Just data consumption, anything. She was walking to work and we used Hangouts because I just happened to have yeah, my Windows sure. machine and it drained 50% of her oh, battery. <laughs> 
Who knows? On the phone or on the computer? On the phone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that FaceTime is really great. And I would really love to see them open this up to more platforms. Sure. Just, I understand that it's... It's a great vendor lock-in story, though. Like, the marketing people must love it. Sorry to keep bringing everything back to marketing, but... <laughs> to me, FaceTime is different than iMessage, though, because FaceTime, mm-hmm. you're not storing anything. You're making a call. That's true. And they could open up FaceTime to businesses like Google has and... Yeah. It's encrypted end to end. I don't know. It's great. It's got to be a decent bandwidth bill for them, though. But they have to justify it somehow. If it was on Android or on, it'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And anything else that we copied from Android? Is your list complete? Uh, No. I mean, I think that's mostly it. There was a lot of great (laughs) improvements in in AR and Siri stuff. Okay. I want to go. I want to talk about the Siri stuff real quick because I think the shortcuts is actually a nice thing, and it's going to apply to app developers. We're all going to have to actually do some little bit of work here. Mm-hmm. And the idea here is we're finally getting some kind of intent system. Mm-hmm. I haven't read through the API docs fully yet, so I don't get it. But um, there's some way for the app to say this is an action users take. You can say when it happens, or you can publish the fact that it's capable of happening. So both, yes. when they happen and capability. And through that, there's a very simple Siri UI where you can create your own little passphrases to kick off those actions. Mm-hmm. Or even better, there's a shortcuts app where you can start scripting together multiple actions and have Siri commands kick those off, combining multiple apps, hopefully passing data between the apps. Um, there was a demo on stage, but I still want to see more and more. <laughs> yeah, this is something that no one will do besides power users. This is a power user feature, mm-hmm. which is good because yeah. um, honestly, I'm t- Tired of getting non-power user features, so mm. you got to give us something every now and then. Like new photos, woo! Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. I can find beaches. Ooh, awesome. <laughs> that is a beach. You're right. <laughs> they, good work. Good job, robot. Yeah, but it was done on device. <laughs> Securely beached. Securely beached. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. I think that. So Google announced Slices, okay. which is different. Slices also are an intent system where developers can create slices of their app that are displayed in Google search. Oh, that's right. Okay, you break your app apart a tiny bit. Yeah, The difference here is that with, yeah, they're almost like nano apps running. They are an intense system to launch the app, things such as that. And you can voice power different things forever on Android. I think the difference is that Google is going to do stuff. They're like, we got you. We're going to figure out when the slices appear. We're going to... We're yes. going to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. We got uh, AI. We got AI where <laughs> Apple and the system that they have with shortcuts more puts the user in control of what shortcuts yes. they want to see, things like that. So the the, the cool. way I've seen it working so far, and it's incomplete, I have the beta now, but the mm. shortcuts app isn't there, but the shortcuts feature is, so it's a little yeah. weird. Um when you go to Siri, it'll actually show you some recent actions you've taken in apps before and say, hey, do you want to turn this into like a little scripty thing yeah. that can execute? So I think they actually did a real nice way of getting non-power users or let's just say semi-power users <laughs> to into get into it. Yeah. So I think overall, it seems like good update. Um, Siri doing some other stuff. It, it, they could also, in the developer chat, they talked about how these intent systems can actually correlate through not just the phone, but I believe to the television and to the watch interface. So there's 
It's syncing over iCloud. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's some integration. So you'll see these things across all of your devices. I'm not sure about Mac. I don't know how much. About I don't believe it's gotten to the Mac. Poor no. Mac. When Marzipan is out, I'm sure it'll come to the yeah. Mac. And, um, and there is a funny thing about the watch. As, as far as anyone can tell, you have to have the Siri watch face up, which is yes. by no doubt the ugliest of all the watch faces. Yes. So like, I want the features, but I hate that face. So mm -hmm. I don't need to hear about Trump every minute of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not necessary. <laughs> the... I like the AR kit changes. Mm. Um, I, I'm a big fan of SceneKit, their little 3D engine in iOS, and ARKit is built on that. ARKit lets you do fun little experiences. They've really improved the lighting model, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we all want. We want the virtual objects to really blend into the environment. And to do that, you need a really good lighting model. Yeah. And they're even using AI. This is so smart. What you want in 3D world is the environment map, the cube map, the, the, the area around everything. Yeah. But our cameras don't capture 360 photos. They just don't. So they're actually using networks to, and he used this word, hallucinate the rest of the photo. Oh, interesting. Which is actually a very simple trick to do in neural networks. They're very good at this. I do it all the time. And I just love seeing that applied AI to solving a real problem yeah. in another fancy tech. Yeah. Super fancy stuff. Yeah, that was good. They have this new thing called experiences, I believe it's called. This is, this is also another key thing. Um, in AR kit, you could capture your world and put objects into your world, but it was really hard for multiple people to be in the same world together. Mm -hmm. And they're finally making it very easy to transmit basically all the key data it's using to lock into the world. You can transmit that between devices, so all the devices are locking into the same coordinate system. Now we can all play a game together, and they have a really cool demo for that. Yeah, the demo app was very cool, and again, this is also something that Google already announced. Uh, <clears throat> however, the difference... This that, actually runs on a million devices. <laughs> this, this, this does run on a million devices, and... The difference is that with these experiences, it's about local. Yeah. And everything is done over local Wi-Fi networks, whereas Google, yeah. of course, everything goes to a cloud. <laughs> everything, right. yeah. <laughs> everything goes up somewhere. Yeah. Trade-offs. I, I haven't seen the, um, I looked at the API for getting the world data out, but I haven't actually looked at the demo to see how they're transmitting between each other. But iOS has multi-peer connectivity, local multi-peer connectivity, yeah. so it should be pretty simple. I think so. And they also really announced this new thing called USDZ, yeah. a new file format, Ugh, Adobe Zen. So I'm a file format person I don't know like people are sensitive about some things food coffee mm -hmm. for me it's file formats especially 3d file formats yeah. and I hate this one but Great. fine whatever new format a new standard right yay another standard another standard <laughs> and everyone needs to adopt it including you Frank oh god and the worst part is I'm actually working on a 3d app right now oh, no. so I'm like oh, do I even want to look at this <laughs> what was interesting about scene kit and sprite kit and these things is I was almost, maybe this is way off in the future prediction, I really thought that perhaps, they were talking it up so much. They were really like, this is so fast. People mm. are using it for games, mm. for 2D UI, like all this stuff. I go, oh crap, they're going to announce a cross-platform UI framework mm. built on SceneKit. I thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen. But maybe five years from now, this is the thing, because apparently it's really great. Well, I mean, it just depends on how you want to say built on. If you look at the layers of how iOS is built up, 
scene kit and metal, they're really low down there. And you could almost say the iOS is built on top of them mm. and they just kind of throw away the 3D information. Yeah. If you use core animation, you can do 3D transforms of your UI. That's true. You do can actually tap into parts of it. But yeah, I think you're a little bit ahead of the curve. I think it's going to be 20, 30 years before we have our 3D holographic displays and VR and AR with buttons and things <laughs> jumping around at us. Yeah, we're not well, there. Well, they were talking so much about <laughs> Not only scene kit, but also metal. There's metal too. There's all these yeah. things that are happening. They talked it up so much. And I go, man, throw away all your other crappy UI kit that you have and build a new one called Metal Kit or Metal UI Kit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, whoa, this is, I mean, apparently it's amazing. But they so. already are. Like, core animation is being rewritten on top of metal. And that's really what you want. Yeah, that's probably what you'll see over time. Mm hmm. Uh, well, also, uh, along those lines, uh, depressing news, and I tweeted about this. Oh. They're deprecating, deprecating. OpenGL. Getting rid of it, gone. They, they spent 10 seconds on it. They got rid of it real fast. It, talk about ripping the Band-Aid off. Gone. Like the core graphics technology of Apple for the last 15 years. Gone. 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 <laughs> now, is it only in Mac or is it a Mac and iOS? I don't even know. Like, define what it even means to deprecate an API. Because at some level, it's just an API. Anyone could write like an OpenGL API for metal. You know, it's, yeah. it's just an API. But at the same time, I have no clue. What does it mean? Are they going to remove the library from the system? Are the function calls going to go away? I don't know. Well, in the developer talk, they <laughs> did spend a little bit more time did on they? this. Okay. <laughs> and they said that in Mojave, they'll be marked as deprecated. Okay. They're not removing the libraries. They're giving developers time to adjust their applications <laughs> for in the future at an undisclosed time and location where the entire library will be removed. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Additionally, Mojave will be the last release that runs 32-bit apps? Uh, without compromise, according to them, because they must have to run some weird emulation layer or yes. something when um, doing it. Yeah, this is fine. I mean, they stopped taking 32-bit app store submissions forever ago. Yeah. I know the arguments of like 32-bit is so efficient on 64-bit architectures. But I'm like, no, give me the full address space. <laughs> I prefer 64-bit. This will be a, this will be a big one because there's a lot of apps that I use, like Audacity, that are 32-bit oh, apps. Oh and... shoot! Okay, but that one's maintained. That'll get updated. Yeah, it's only the ones that aren't maintained that you have to worry about. But if they still can run and they're, it's just without compromise. So they're going to run fine forever. Am my MacBook adorable? Oh, it's compromises. <laughs> compromises. <laughs> no new yeah. MacBooks. We'll have to talk about that at the end. No new yeah. hardware. Um, I don't know. What else you want to talk about here? Anything else? Oh, uh, boy. Lots of, I don't lots know. of little small things. Mojave's got, you know, uh, new user consent mode that kind of pairs up with the uh, UI kit. So they're going to have more things like calendar and geolocation, all these other mm -hmm. consents. That's cool. I gotta mention the ML thing. Uh, oh yeah, you can't talk about AR without ML. Exactly. You have they, to. They're not at all related, but we always talk about them yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, you can't. This is the big push, I think. But there was, to me, two big, big announcements. Uh, 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 ML kit. Two, core ML. Core ML two. <laughs> two. And create ML. You got it. Nailed it. And create ML is a silly thing. Silly thing. It's <laughs> built on top of now called Xcode playgrounds. Oh, I didn't catch that branding No longer change. called Swift Playgrounds. Smooth. <laughs> you use Swift. However, they've expanded it to be Swift more than Swift. only. It doesn't Swift. even work with Objective-C. No. They're all in on the Swift. <laughs> and Oh, because Swift 5 will be coming out. Oh, I didn't catch that one. So, okay. Oh, this is also about Swift 5 will be coming out. 
uh, they talked about roundness, and yeah. Swift 5 will be part of the operating system. Oh, you will know, that's right. You will no longer have to be in a proper <sighs> ABI. Why hasn't Xamarin gotten the BCL into the iOS? One, one <laughs> it can day. make our F so much smaller. <laughs> I know. So that means quite a few things. But the nice thing about uh, Core ML 2 and CreateML, CreateML was essentially custom vision AI on your desktop, yeah. creating models locally, dragging some images in, doing some stuff. I, I, I want right? to talk about that for just, yeah, you, you nailed it. Um, custom AI is a website you upload a bunch of images to. With CreateML, just within Xcode, you drop a folder onto it. It trains off of the folder. Yeah. The, the, that, that's just the usability thing. Who cares, one way or the other. But the nice thing about it is it's actually giving you a much smaller model because mm. they're baking in a large model into the OS also, yes. much like Swift. And that way, you only have to carry with you the top few layers of the mm -hmm. model, which makes it dramatically smaller. So if you have an app that's recognizing 10,000 different kinds of objects and you have 100 different models, then this is going to be glorious for you. If you're someone who's shipping one model, then fine. You can handle a 100 megabyte payload. But yeah. multiple models, this is a big deal. So it's yeah. real nice for it's efficiency. It seems like they're seeing probably more applications potentially use... Core yeah. ML models need to do something. Where you want multiple models, not just one, one. big heavy one. Yeah. So they showed a cool demo off, which was... Um, flowers? Flowers. Yeah. And their old model was like 100 megs, and their new one it was 1 three. meg. 3, three meg yeah, or something. 3 yeah, meg or something. Yeah. It's because just the top few layers. Because it was built in, they generated The rest it. of the model is in the OS. Yeah. Yeah, it's real, real clever. It's an old technique in ML. Basically, we all do it. All practical implementations of image recognition software do this trick. Mm. It just wasn't baked in before. You yeah. had to do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then Core ML 2 is faster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it can train, too. This is actually oh. a big step. Mm. Um, they didn't expose it very well. I think we have to do a better API, but you can finally train models uh. with it. Before, it could only do inference. Now we can train. That's important it. because we were using previous other training things. Yeah, and training things were terrible. They were Python scripts yeah. that ran only on NVIDIA hardware with only the right set of versions. So this is Apple getting into the training game, which mm -hmm. is just good from a hardware perspective because I'm so tired of the NVIDIA lock-in that all the professors do. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, I will say that they seem to also be working with other types of uh, machine learning Things. They were talking about TensorFlow and things. They've done this from the beginning, and you kind of have to. They're compatible with all the other libraries in that they have a program that converts from their models to CoreML's yeah. models. And so I think they introduced a couple more that they're compatible with now. Yeah. They've actually always been really good at that. That's the only way I've ever been able to make progress is do the training on something terrible and ugly and then use their thing to convert it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else from iOS world, macOS world? How long have we been talking? Well, we can see right here we've been talking for almost one hour. So uh, <laughs> lots of nice Xcode updates. Yeah. I don't know. I don't use Xcode on a daily basis, but there's no. that dark mode that's working. Yeah. Uh, they did. I was actually surprised. They really retooled their entire source control. Yeah. Uh, ties in a lot closer and deeper into Bitbucket and GitLab and GitHub. <laughs> Funny timing of that announcement. Funny timing. <laughs> they, but they do a lot of really cool things like auto SSIH keygen. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. They integrated a lot deeper into the core editing experience. So you mm -hmm. can do diffs and you can see it in the sidebar. They did. I hate, I love to hate their multi, multi cursor demos. Oh, I know. They're so, I never see myself doing that. 
I actually do multi-cursor all the time. I, I love multi-cursor. Oh. Um, but it's only in your ugly parts of code yeah. where you're doing a lot of copy-paste stuff. But when you need it, you need it. And yeah. I, I love having it. But it's always hard to come up with a demo because they always look stupid. But when you need it, you need it. That's like, it. Oh, there's three There's three of these very similar methods that all are returning a <laughs> void. What if they were all to return a bool? <laughs> okay, that's a bad demo. I didn't realize. I'd even pay attention because I don't care. But, but yeah. <laughs> It was very similar to something like that. Oh, all of these are constants. What if they weren't <sighs> constants? And what if they were read-only? Something like that. It was very something yeah. like that, you know. <laughs> but I will say the biggest thing that I really think of Xcode and can really help developers' lives is this uh, improvements in testing. Did you see this? Uh, no, but I was looking at the instruments update. So they've added a lot of performance stuff and tracking stuff and yes. adding your own extensions for that. Is this what you're referring to or something? No. no. <laughs> so this that was cool though. Yes, okay. <laughs> so profiling your application is always a pain. However, they made custom extensions to Amazing. instruments. Amazing. So you can do your own instrumentation in your app and it comes up in yes. the reports and it makes you graphs with charts and oh, I love it. Could we create? Could Absolutely. Xamarin then create one for like It's just a net? protocol. It's just a UI with a protocol, but someone has to build the UI, someone has to build the protocol. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. The big thing that I'm talking about is being able to do parallel testing. <laughs> and yes, I, that is cool. So parallel running your unit tests not a big deal i feel yeah. like that should and, have been and it's unit tests they don't really matter they either pass or fail and you they're really quick them. yeah the difference is the simulator uh -huh. testing oh so okay i, I want to do this because now i know now i remember yeah. so this is when you're like okay test it on these 16 devices and then xcode somehow creates a separate workspace separate desktop on your computer and it actually puts up 16 simulators mm -hmm. all running your app I love it. Yep. I finally can use all the cores on my iMac. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was funny because they finally, in the last revision of Xcode, allowed multiple simulators to be open at the same time. Right. That was a hack before. You could do it, but it was a dirty, dirty hack. <laughs> now it seems as if it's really kind of built in. Yeah. So I put in, in our show notes, I go, very nice. <laughs> very nice. And I go, it was probably one of my favorite demos because I go, Oh, that's real nice. I, I like can't, that. Yeah, that'll be. I can't wait till uh, Visual Studio has that feature. Yeah, uh, I'll love that. For yeah, sure. it seemed like oh, that's probably a nice extensible API that you can loop into, and I go, oh, that's really going to help developers just run their tests more proficiently. Those are the things that yeah. I am like, oh, that's really. That's like that makes a lot of sense. That's way cooler than any little feature of. I of, think I'd be more excited about that if I wrote more automated UI tests. But if I were writing more automated UI tests, that would be just the cat's bananas. Yeah. <laughs> So that's it. That's WWDC. I didn't really watch too many other videos that are available, though. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to wait until it's over, and then I devote a few days to just eating popcorn and watching WWDC videos. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I love deep diving. I did have that tweet saying we got the summer off, and I do kind of feel like that, at least for me personally. I hate the summers where it's like, if I don't fix my app, it's going to crash mm -hmm. come September. Yeah. Those are the worst summers. So that, uh, that's what I meant by this tweet is, oh, I don't have to worry about my apps crashing. I can add a few little features if I want to. Totally, yeah. like maybe some serious stuff, maybe not. Yeah. But um, I don't have to freak out about it, unlike Marco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I think from my point of view, I'm pretty much good to go. I do want to do some other just random tweaks and updates. And I also feel good from the Google side of things, to be honest with you. Google maybe has a little bit more work because they are going to 
stop accepting updates for apps if you don't target the latest versions of Android. So this will be a bigger change that they announced. Target? What, what do you mean target? Uh, build with the SDK maybe? Uh, build with the SDK, but also set the target version number of your app needs to be larger. So oh, making not the minimum number, but the target. target. Gotcha. And so this will ensure that any a new, it'll be like new apps can't be submitted, but then also at some point in the future app updates won't be able to be submitted either without this target version. And they're doing this because if you don't set the target version, it means that your app runs kind of in this backwards compatibility <sighs> with mode. With compromises. With compromises. <laughs> and honestly, the user, this it, it means that it turns off all new features. Yeah. So like permissions. Even if you're using all the support libraries, it's yeah. still, yeah. Yeah, it turns out that, but mostly for permissions, it's yeah. a big stopgap because older apps that don't target it don't have to worry about the runtime permissions. So they get like a... Right. Yeah. I, I just noticed that I was updating iCircuit and it kept crashing every time I tried to export a PNG. Oh. And I'm like, what's going on? Need this a permission. is eight-year-old code. Yep. <laughs> Turns need a permission. out, need a permission. Yeah. So what was your overall thoughts? We'll wrap it up so we get it within... Uh, we're uh, already over an hour, so over <laughs> Too <an> late. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess my initial reactions were I'm like, wow, they didn't announce anything. But then as I slowly revealed, like they actually did announce a lot of key features yeah. and things I'm excited about. Mostly, I'm just happy I don't have to work my heart out this summer. Um, they finally added stuff to Siri. It's our first improvement to Siri in forever, so thank God for that. That's true. It's good to see them open up. I think it's uh, a very more Googly. Uh, all yeah. Google and Apple, they're getting closer together. They're all just <laughs> chasing each other. Uh, it was a good story overall. I I feel like there was a overly heavily scripted everything. <laughs> I didn't really like that, but. It was fun to watch. I took some good show notes. Uh, uh, man, yeah, no cool. Miguel presentations at an Apple event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not going to get that. No. I do think that overall I was pretty excited about the UI kit. That was my biggest thing. And I'm oh, yeah. I mean, that's by... But that one's like standing on its own. That's yeah. just life-changing. Yeah. That it's, one. <laughs> it's also way far off, so I don't have to think about it yet. Right. So <laughs> We'll talk about that plenty next year. Yeah. All right, Frank. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. I had fun. Yeah. Thanks for recording in person live. It's Creepy. happening. Yeah, people don't know that. It should sound great. Hopefully, it should sound the same. <laughs> well, until next time, this has been another episode of Merge Conflict. You can find us everywhere on the internet at Merge Conflict FM, at James Montemagno, and at Proclarum on the Twitters. You can, of course, go to mergeconflict.fm and subscribe to all the latest and greatest episodes and uh, share it with all your friends. We'd appreciate that. And you know, if you leave a review, we also read all those, and it's really, really helpful. So feel free to give us an email over there or do anything you want. So until next time, it's been another Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>